All right, if you take God's precious word and turn to Hosea chapter 6. Hosea chapter 6. I tell you, I had a wonderful study in the Bible studying for this message. I tell Tammy, I've told you all before, I think I'm going to be in several verses and I can't get out of one. It's so rich, it's so good. Hello, Haley. Didn't see you walk in. Good to see you. Hosea chapter 6. God willing, we'll be expounding verse 7. The title of the message this morning is God's Covenant Relationship. God's Covenant Relationship. In Hosea 6, 6 last week, God explained why Israel would be enduring His judgment. He told them in verse 6, For I desired mercy and not sacrifice. And the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings, the Hebrew word translated mercy, spoke of what God desired and deserved from the people He created. But instead of giving God what He desired and deserved, the people gave God empty religion. Meaningless sacrifices. God desired full service, but they gave Him empty sacrifice. God said, I wanted the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings from them. Verse 7 now in your text. But they, like men, have transgressed the covenant. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your precious word. Thank you for those who are here. I'm so grateful. I pray all eyes, Father, will be on your scriptures this morning. May your Holy Spirit teach these precious people the truths inside. Ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. But they, like men, have transgressed the covenant. Now, a covenant is when one party makes a binding promise to or enters into an agreement with another party. Now, here's a kingdom truth for you this morning that you never want to forget. God interacts with man based on covenant relationships. God interacts with man based on covenant relationships. Now, why does God interact with us based on a covenant relationship? Now, remember, a covenant is when you enter into an agreement. It's a binding agreement between two parties. Why does God choose to interact with us based on these covenant relationships? Well, a covenant defines... The terms of the relationship. Okay? Let me give you an example. If, if you all were to look outside that parking lot over there, parked up against that um, Presbyterian building, you would see a beautiful red Hyundai Tucson that has all the bells and whistles. Don't it, Brother Doug? All the bells and whistles. I remember when Sister Sheila used to covet our Hyundai Tucson. (laughs) And, uh, but no, but she saw ours and she said, yeah, I want one like that, but she wanted red. That's, that's, that's her personality. And her and Brother Doug went out and got that red Tucson and it's beautiful. And when she got that vehicle this year, she entered and he entered into a covenant relationship with Hyundai Motor Company. And in that relationship, 
because it's primarily Sheila's vehicle. I think she's the main driver. Sheila's the customer. And Doug's the customer. And Hyundai Motor Company is the manufacturer. It is a relationship that's supposed to last for many years. We hope so. And to ensure that that relationship remains a happy relationship and a good and prosperous relationship for both parties, their relationship with Hyundai is based on a covenant agreement, a covenant relationship. The great thing about a covenant relationship is this. Both parties know what to expect from each other. In Sister Sheila's relationship with Hyundai and Brother Doug, they can expect Hyundai to manufacture a safe, comfortable, and dependable mode of transportation. And Hyundai can expect them to pay for that safe, comfortable, and dependable mode of transportation. Because they, I assume, are paying on that vehicle. Sheila can expect Hyundai to repair anything that breaks on that car for so many miles and so many years. And if they treat them right, they may choose to get their next vehicle from Hyundai and remain a lifelong customer. That's the terms of the covenant relationship between the vehicle consumer and the vehicle manufacturer. And this covenant relationship is binding upon both parties, which is why they had to sign a bunch of paperwork when they bought that vehicle. But the legal and binding nature of this covenant gives them the confidence of knowing that their transportation needs will be provided for for many years to come. And it also gives the manufacturer or the lender who may be the same, the assurance that their company can continue to stay in the black financially. If both parties abide by the terms of that covenant relationship, it will be a great relationship that benefits everybody involved. But if either party transgresses the covenant that that relationship is founded upon, then the relationship will surely fail and the consequences will be devastating can be devastating. What if Hyundai, they figured out one day, let's say Sister Sheila were to be driving to work and someone pulls out in front of her and she runs into, the, into a vehicle. And what if when that happens, they realize that Hyundai, in order to save money, didn't install airbags in that steering wheel or those side curtain airbags or whatever should have deployed. They just left them out. Now they were advertised, but they left them out. That could cost Sheila her life. And that would definitely damage the relationship between Doug and Hyundai Motor Company. Right? Now what if Sheila, when she went to purchase that car, Doug and Sheila, what if instead of paying cash, what if they financed the vehicle... In somebody else's name whose identity they stole. What if that happened? That would make the car stolen and it would cost Hyundai thousands of dollars. That also would damage the relationship between them. What if Hyundai decided to quit honoring their warranty? 
that also would be a transgression of that covenant relationship and it would damage the customer-manufacturer relationship. And it was no different with Israel's covenant relationship with God in the Old Testament. It's no different than our covenant relationship with God today. When Doug and Sheila bought their new car, the covenant was written out in that sales contract and in the financing contract and in everything that the manufacturer advertised to them. As long as Doug and Sheila keep making the payments, keep paying the car insurance, in other words, as long as they don't transgress the covenant, then the other party will be happy with them. And as long as Hyundai keeps their end of the bargain and doesn't transgress the covenant, then Doug and Sheila will be happy with them. And as long as Israel didn't transgress their covenant with God, then God would be happy with them. And as long as God didn't transgress His covenant with Israel, which of course He would never do, then Israel could be happy with God. Now, the covenant that Israel made with God was... Uh, revealed to us in the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 19. I'm going to read to you, or we'll read together, because I uh, assume, yep, here it is, up on the screen there. In Exodus 19, 5 through 8, we see when this covenant relationship was made. We see when Israel signed the paperwork at the car dealership with God. Exodus 19, 5, Now therefore, this is God speaking, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant... Then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, God was telling Moses. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. Here's verse 8 is when the people signed their name on the dotted line. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord hath spoken, we will do. They entered into a covenant relationship with God. A beautiful thing. Israel's part of the relationship was to obey God's voice and keep His covenant, which was His commandments. That was the law that He gave through Moses. Israel entered into that covenant, and as long as they kept it, then God's part of the covenant would be to make Israel a special treasure to Him above every other nation in the world and cause them to enjoy a special relationship with their Creator and to be incredibly blessed like no other nation. Leviticus chapter 26, listen to the benefits of the covenant relationship Israel would have with God. In Leviticus 26, verse 3 through 12, God told them, If ye walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain in due season, and the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time, and ye shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. And I will give you peace in the land, and ye shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I will rid evil beasts out of the land. I guarantee you, they wouldn't have had any fire ants, folks. I guarantee you. They wouldn't have. He says, uh, and had you ever noticed that a lot of the times when we get evil creatures coming to our land, it came from some other place? Y'all notice that? I will rid evil beasts out of the land, neither shall the sword go through your land, and ye 
shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword, and five of you shall chase an hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword, for I will have respect unto you, and make you fruitful, and multiply you, and establish my covenant with you, and ye shall eat old store, and bring forth the old because the new. In other words, you're going to have so much food... You, you, you'll be able to eat the old stuff because there'll be so much new stuff coming in, you won't run out. Verse 11, And I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you, and I will walk among you, and will be your God, and you shall be my people. Man, what else could a nation possibly want? In, in what God just told them there, His end of the bargain, He would provide them protection, security, National sovereignty, wealth, and so much more if only they would keep God's covenant. If Israel would obey God's word, they would have had it made. But, he said in verse 7, they, they like men have transgressed my covenant. Now in that verse, underscore like men. Like men. They like men have transgressed that covenant. The Hebrew word translated men here is Adam. Adam. In other words, Adam. They like Adam have transgressed my covenant. It's the same word translated Adam in the book of Genesis. One translation words it this way. But the people broke the agreement as Adam did. How sad. Adam and Eve transgressed their covenant relationship with God. They had it made. Just keep one rule. Don't eat from that tree. Everything else, enjoy. As descendants of Adam, we break covenants. People break covenants with God and with one another all the time. I have a job at the federal bankruptcy court. Why? Because people break covenants. Someone I know came into her courthouse the other day who had filed for bankruptcy, and I personally know they've been overspending. And they came in and they said, well, we had to file bankruptcy or else we would have lost these non-essential things that we enjoy. Very expensive non-essential things. They told me what they were. In other words, instead of keeping the covenant that they made with their creditors when they borrowed the money for these things, they used the court to break their covenant so they could hang on to their toys. God is telling us this morning that people break covenants like this all the time. People are not trustworthy. People will let you down. But it's what God didn't say that's so important here. By saying they broke my covenant like men, God is contrasting the difference between Him and us. Every relationship in the Old Testament that God had with people was based on covenant relationships. You had the Adamic covenant in the Garden of Eden. All the trees you freely eat, but don't eat this one. That's the rules. Okay? Don't worry about those screens that they go out. So, that was the covenant relationship. Man broke it. Man broke it. God made a covenant relationship with Noah. 
Here's what you need to do. Man broke it. Next thing you know, they, they've got a, 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 a tower of Babel up. And they're transgressing the covenant. They're not serving God. God made covenants with Israel. They broke it. It's never worked out. We saw this morning in Sunday school when Jesus came just how terrible Israel had broken the commandment and how the religious leaders betrayed their God. God said like men. He didn't say they broke it like God. Because God never fails to keep a single promise He makes. God will keep His word forever and forever. Here's a kingdom truth for you this morning. When God makes a covenant with us, He's not giving us a burden to bear. He's giving us a promise to enjoy. It's important you understand this. When God makes a covenant with us, He's not giving us a burden to bear. He's giving us a promise to enjoy. Don't eat that fruit. You can enjoy all this here. That's the terms of the agreement. Keep my word and I will keep and protect you and bless you and make you wealthy and make you fruitful and multiply you. That's a promise you can enjoy. Just live in that promise. When God gave Israel His law, He gave them the key to an unending, blissful relationship with God. Not a burden to bear. The Bible says a law is life. Unless you transgress it. The reason God interacts with us based on covenants is so that we can know what God expects from us and so that we can go through life with absolute confidence that God will never leave us nor forsake us. Man transgressed every covenant that God made in the Old Testament. Every one. So you know what God did? He gave us a covenant that we couldn't mess up. <laughs> they, like men, have transgressed the covenant. That's what we do. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news of a new covenant that God made with man. A different kind of covenant that God made with man. Yes, the gospel is God interacting with us based on a covenant. So Brother Richard, what's the difference? The difference between the gospel covenant and every other covenant God made with man is this. Jesus fulfilled man's part of the agreement. That's good stuff, folks. Jesus did not transgress the covenant like men. He fulfilled the covenant like God who came in the form of man. He did this so we could enter into the gospel covenant. Listen to this now. Jesus did this so that we could enter into the gospel covenant knowing that both sides of the agreement have and will be kept by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. With Israel, when God says, you keep this covenant, and I will do this. In fact, God said, if you keep the covenant, 
I will do this. Israel's relationship with God always depended on them keeping their side of the bargain. And they would do it for a little while and then break it. Do it for a little while and then break it. And so their relationship with God was up and down and up and down and up and down. When God gave the gospel covenant to Abraham in the Old Testament, Abraham asked God, how can I know that these things are going to come to pass? I mean, I know you're telling me this, but what sign will you give me? What, what type of assurance can you give me? That this new covenant you're speaking of is going to come to pass. So you know what God did? God told Abraham, you take these animals and I want you to cut them in half. That's gross, isn't it? You, 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 you take these animals, you just cut them in half. You put half of their carcass here, put half of their carcass here. And you leave a little walkway, a little walkway in between these animals. He did it with a bunch of animals. He even did it with birds, but he didn't cut the birds in half. He just put one bird here and one bird there. Otherwise, it would just been a little piece of feathers on each side. And now, normally, in the Old Testament, here's what happened. In the Old Testament, when someone would enter to an agreement, and I'm glad they don't do this to Hyundai dealership, Brother Doug, because that would be gross. But in the Old Testament, when they enter to an agreement with each other, they would take these whole animals, cut them in half, and if it was me and Brother Shepherd that were going to enter into an agreement with each other, we would walk together in the middle of those animals, binding ourselves to that covenant. That's what they did. We walked together in the middle of those animals that were cut. Did you know that the word covenant comes from a word that means to cut? Did you know that this ancient way of thinking still exists in our, in our language and our thoughts today even though we don't understand it, we don't know the history behind it? Think about it. How many of y'all have ever said, we're going to cut a deal with somebody? Why would you say cut? Make a deal. Enter into a deal. But we still say cut a deal sometimes. That's left over from what happened way back then, those ancient days. And so normally in a covenant relationship between Abraham and God, it would be Abraham and God walking in between those pieces, binding themselves to the agreement as if to say, if we break it, let, let us be like the animals that were broken. If we break the agreement, let us be broken. We're walking into this binding ourselves to this agreement solemnly. And so God told Abraham, you, you, you uh, set these animals, cut them in part, set them across from each other, and let's get ready to make a deal. We're going to cut a deal. Because Abraham has said, how am I going to know? So God had Abraham cut them in half. And, and, uh, but the thing is, God didn't walk through the animals with Abraham. They didn't walk through there together. Instead, you know what God did? You remember how when God made Adam uh, a wife 
Adam had nothing to do with it. He put Adam to sleep. And he pulled Eve from Adam's side. Made her from his rib. And God did the same thing with Abraham. He put Abraham to sleep. And you know what happened? When Abraham fell asleep, God walked between those pieces alone. Alone. God, how am I going to know that this is going to come to pass? Here's how, Abraham. You go to sleep. You know what Abraham did? He waited on God to come with those pieces, to come walk with him through those pieces for a long time. God never showed up. The Bible says that the birds came, started eating the animals. Abraham would shoo them away. Where's God? I'm ready to enter into this agreement. God never showed up. Finally, Abraham went to sleep, and God kept him asleep. And when Abraham went to sleep, God let Abraham see him walk by himself through those pieces. It's two things. A smoking furnace and a burning lamp. And those two smoking furnace and burning lamp, they walked between the pieces alone. Abraham had nothing to do with the covenant. Why? Because God would fulfill both sides of the bargain. Through Christ. Which is why Jesus came. So he could fulfill the covenant of our, on our behalf. When Jesus came, you know what he did? He kept the covenant. When Israel told God, all the words you command we will do. And they broke them. But when Jesus came, Jesus said, all the words you command I will do. Father, not my will, but yours be done. And Jesus kept Israel's side of the bargain. Jesus kept our side of the bargain. So we could have a covenant that we couldn't mess up. Because God acted as both parties in the agreement. That's how come you'll see Jesus on earth as a man praying to God the Father in heaven. It's God and man. And it's God in heaven. And God is keeping both sides of the bargain. So we can't mess this covenant up. But Jesus kept it as a man so that man would have fulfilled his side of the covenant relationship. Genesis fifteen seventeen says, And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. God committed himself to fulfilling this covenant so the gospel would be one covenant that man couldn't mess up. With the gospel covenant, we don't perform the promises, we enjoy them. With the gospel covenant, we don't do our part, we believe that God did our part on our behalf. It's a covenant we can't mess up. When man messes up the gospel, it's when a false religion, a false doctrine, runs over to Abraham and says, Wake up! Wake up! You need to go between those pieces too. That's what false doctrine does. Abraham didn't get up. Abraham didn't stir. Abraham watched God walk between those pieces by himself. 
false religion says, oh no, that's not good enough. You've got to do your part too. Wake up, wake up, get going, get going. Now, if we had to have any part with the covenant of the gospel, we'd mess it up too. They broke my covenant like men. Believing the promise that God has fulfilled our part of the bargain allows us to rest our head on our pillows at night knowing that heaven is our home because this is God's work, not ours. God said, they have transgressed my covenant. Look back in your text and let's begin to close. There have they dealt treacherously against me. Take your pen and underscore the word there. There. There have they dealt treacherously against me. Meaning Israel had dealt deceitfully with God by breaking their agreement to keep His word. Which they said they would do. They told God, every word you say we will do. And they didn't do it. They broke it. But the word there, He didn't say they have dealt treacherously against me. He said there they have dealt treacherously against me. You see, God made a wonderful promise to Israel. To take them out of the land of Egypt where they were slaves and to bring them safely and victoriously into the land of Canaan, the promised land. That's why it's called the promised land because in the covenant relationship, God promised them He would do this. That Canaan was God's love gift to Israel. God delivered them from Egypt where they were slaves and He brought them safely into the Holy Land where His temple was, where His name had been established, where His prophets had been prophesying, His priests had been performing the priestly work. There God performed His promise to bring them to the place He said He would give them. And there in that place that God gave them, because He loved them, that's the very place where they betrayed Him. What insult. It would have been one thing if they had betrayed God in Egypt while they were still slaves. But instead, like men, they betrayed Him after He had kept every promise He made to them. Here's a kingdom truth. Under the old covenant, men broke the covenant in the place where God kept it. You see that? There they broke my covenant. Under the old covenant, men broke the covenant in the place where God kept it. Under the gospel covenant, God keeps the covenant in the place where men broke it. I'm going to say that again because it's rich. There they have dealt deceitfully with me. Under the old covenant, men broke the covenant in the place where God kept it. Under the gospel covenant, God keeps the covenant in the place where men broke it. Under the old covenant, men betrayed God in the place of blessing. Under the new covenant, God blesses men in the place of betrayal. The gospel covenant does just the opposite of what the old covenant did. The gospel blesses the sinner in the place of betrayal. Romans 5.20 says this, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. 
Where did grace abound? Right there where sin abounded. Where did the covenant get broken? Right there where God kept His Word. Right there where the people were blessed. But the gospel covenant did just the opposite. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Speaking of this gracious reversal under the gospel covenant, God said in Hosea 1.10, Hosea 1.10, if you want to turn back there, we're in Hosea, just flip back a few chapters. Watch how, in fact, if you're taking notes, outside of Hosea 6-7, underscore the word there, and then in your margin, write down Hosea 1-10 in your margin, and connect the two together. There they dealt treacherously against me. Hosea 1-10, God said, It shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, Ye are the sons of the living God. In other words, in the very place where Israel transgressed the covenant of God, that would be the very place where God overcame those transgressions, removed the curse, and gave His blessing. You know why? Where did Israel break the covenant? In the Holy Land. Where did Jesus come, keep the covenant, and die for those sinners? In the same place where the covenant was broken, the covenant was kept. Where it was said unto them, ye are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, ye are the sons of the living God. The gospel is a covenant men can't mess up. We don't perform the covenant. We believe it and enjoy it. Thank you, Father, so much for your precious word. Thank you, Father, for giving us a covenant relationship that we can know what to expect. Thank you, Father, Lord, for giving us a covenant that we can't mess up because it's a covenant you kept. And Father, Lord, we believe this good news of what Jesus has done for us. And I pray if there any be anyone here today or anyone who's watching online who does not know Christ as their Savior, I pray that they will say yes and enter into this covenant with you, accepting, Father, the great promise of forgiveness from sin and everlasting life that comes to the work that Jesus did on our behalf. We ask in His precious name, thank you, Lord, that where sin abounded there, did grace much more abound. Amen.